I'm not going to be the guy running around with a clapped out pickup truck doing 160 kilometers an hour down the highway to get to the next job. Because if I don't get there and get that one done in time, someone's not eating. Welcome back, everybody, to the Con Expo Con Egg podcast. I am your host, as always, a Taylor White. A big part of my business has always been the septic world. And over the course of the last few years, seen this guy online you know canadian septic people sending me his stuff saying hey i think this guy's better than you at septics i think he does more septics than you in a year and i go no there is no other septic god other than i but today i am here to bring with you the one the only james from canadian septic james welcome aboard bud thanks taylor appreciate uh, you having me on i I think actually that was one of our first interactions on Instagram there. You had posted something about being the king of septic in uh, Canada. <laughs> and I, I was willing to concede the east side of Canada, but I, I want to keep the west. Yeah. Hey, man, you can have it. <laughs> you know what I got to say? It is more beautiful out there, though. Have you been out uh, to Vancouver or Whistler yet? Yeah, I have. I, I Well, I used to live in Alberta. Like, well, I used to live in a town called Carceres. You're in the oil fields, right? Yeah, exactly. So we used to drive out to Banff and then took family trip with the in-laws up to Whistler and stuff one time. And super, super beautiful, man. Everywhere you look, is just an awesome view. But this podcast isn't about me and my family trips, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, you know, who who's James, you know? Who are you? Who's Canadian septic? Where'd this love for septic systems come from? If you could start by kind of sharing, you know, how did Canadian Septic come to be? I'm really curious of, of that. It's a little unconventional. Actually, it's really unconventional. Coming out of high school, I uh, started working um, at a couple different places, mostly in sales. Uh, ended up going to work for a company called Sintas, big Fortune 500 company doing sales uh, and service off the back of the trucks that were driving around. I was working out of an industrial park um, every day. Then uh, went over into uh, mobility sales. So I was doing business to business, working with business owners on how to uh, improve their workflows, how to um, get more out of their employees and stuff like that. And uh, eventually that whole industry is a bit of a, a race to zero. It has been for, for years now. And I was trying to get into something that was a little bit uh, different, that I sort of controlled my own destiny a little bit more. And uh, so started looking for different businesses to buy and can honestly tell you, I did not uh, expect to end up where I did when I started that process. So uh, in 2017, 2017, wow, 2017, January 2017, we took over all the assets from uh, another gentleman that was doing it out here. And uh, yeah, so January will be seven years total in the industry. Seven years. Okay. So you didn't buy the business, but you bought assets from another guy. Correct. So that was one of the things I did to protect myself. So one thing was the guy was a sole proprietor and was running everything through his own name, but not having a ton of background in the industry and not having a full grasp of, you know, what he had all done previous to it. I mean, we went through a fairly extensive process of vetting, uh, you know, his books and everything else that go along with that. But yeah, well, you'd have to. Yeah, exactly. And so went through all of that and uh, yeah, bought his assets and in, in the process said, I'm not taking any responsibility for any of the stuff that you did before. And he was happy to do that. And uh, to his uh, credit, he's uh, he stood up to, and answered the bell a couple of times when uh, some of his previous customers came back and said they had some issues. And uh, it's just how it worked out for us. And I'm, I'm quite happy that it uh, turned out the way it did. 
because we did end up shortly after purchasing the business um, rebranding to Canadian Septic just because there was a bit of a negative connotation in the marketplace amongst a lot of the builders and other professionals in the industry. For me, I want to know because you have such a passion, man. Like you have more of a passion for me. So backstory. So a little behind the scenes conversations. Yesterday, I'm on the job site talking like an idiot. And I'm talking about this Waterloo biofilter system we have. And I say anaerobic and uh, <laughs> like like water or whatever. And then James was like, <laughs> hey, man, it's aerobic. And I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, you know so much about septic systems and what you were doing before. Like, where did where did that come from? Because it's a niche. Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. It's uh, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where if you're going to do something like get into it, it, it is very niche. Our business model is set up that septic's all we do. I don't do drain tile. I don't do foundation excavation. Like I do. You don't dig a basement or anything. Nope. All you do is septic. All we do septic install, septic repairs, septic inspections. And so we're not the cheapest guys out there either. And I'm, I'm quite proud to say that like we're not. Amen to that. Right. So in order to help a customer appreciate or understand, I'm there answering questions that they have. Uh, whereas, you know, some other uh, folks may not be willing to take the time or have the answers that the customer is looking for. So, you know, when I go to a customer and say, hey, I'm going to be like 10, 15 percent more than the next guy. They're happy to pay it because they know that we stand behind our work. They know we know what we're talking about. And um, that's one of the ways we justify our costs. Do you do any courses or, or education or how did you learn all of this? I've gone through yeah, a couple courses. Um, when I first started, I, I took some training through the local association through the province. I'm one of the board members now for uh, the British Columbia uh, Wastewater Onsite uh, Management Association. So I've been doing that for about three years now. But when I first started, the big thing for me was I still feel like a bit of a an imposter in the sense that I'm not from the dirt world, man. Like I came from you know, a, a desk with a suit and a tie. Like that's, that's what I was doing. So for the first two, three years in the business, I just sat down, I shut my mouth and I just listened, listen, learn, 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 learn as much as I can before um, deciding to, okay, I'm going to try and be a little bit more visible online. I'm going to make more of an effort. And um, we've attended multiple conventions out in Indianapolis at the, uh, the wet show. We spent the money to go out to the con expo, which is where you know, we had the pleasure of uh, first meeting in person. And um, one of the main reasons was, yeah, shiny equipment's nice, but I want to go to the educational um, opportunities that are there so I can learn more. And, you know, we it ended up being an expensive show because we ended up buying uh, some Topcon gear after we left just because of some of the stuff that they were coming out with and being able to get our hands on it and see how it works. We had actually, without really realizing it, looked at and, and saw that exact same product at a presentation in the Washington State uh, convention that they do every year, uh, Septicon. And they had someone from down there go do a presentation on it. Didn't really understand it until we were at the show, got hands on and were able to, um, to really understand what it would be able to do for us. So that makes me really interested because we always debate in here like with some of our larger commercial projects we have on the go right now gps you know like when we're trimble out here like we're just big trimble fans here 
anyways, regardless, GPS, where do you see, like, because we always have conversations internally of GPS may not be the best fit just for doing septics. It's more for, you know, big swale and grading work and this and that, where septics is grading work, but it's on a smaller scale. Like, if you were trying to sell me that GPS in septic, because I generally want to know, and I'm hoping people from my team are listening to this podcast, <laughs> how, would you, how would you go about that? Yeah, so I mean, the, the biggest thing for us now, the way that we've got it set up, their MC Mobile product, it's not full GPS. I believe you can add it on later if you want to, but it's, it's basically a layout product. So, so do you have a base station and then a rod? Yeah, they're, they're LN150 base station. We've got a, a prism with a, ta- a data collector with a tablet. That tablet comes off the pole and goes into the machine. And then we can read the prism on the machine is, is feeding the information down to the tablet. So we're basically able to show up on a site and looking at our design because the design's never exact. It's not going to go in the exact same spot that maybe the engineer had decided they wanted it to go. Um, so we can basically lay it out, walk it with the stick, put our grades in for what we want on uh, our drain lines, what we want for our tanks, where they're going, and then plug it into the machine uh, and off you go. And you don't need somebody sitting in the trench with a grade stick to make sure that you're getting it the whole way. You can tell from inside the cab that, hey, this this is moving in the right direction. And uh, what it does for us is it frees up uh, a guy on an install. Do I need to have two guys on site for every install every day now? No, nope. there's going to be a day or two per install where my other guy can now take the the service fan and go take care of some of the other stuff that we haven't been able to do in the past because we needed everybody on site all the time. So it frees up having people on site is what it does, right? Correct. And, and I mean, I know there's a big shortage on, on employees and getting guys in. So it's not necessarily about replacing a guy that you have, but maybe you're able to get more done because you can't find the right guy or you, there's just not enough guys out there. So it's definitely a, a great product for the cost for what it is uh, relative to you know having a guy on staff. Hundred percent, dude. Like, I- I'm happy to hear that because when we talk internally about it, it's always I- I'm an advocate for it. I think that it would be great. Like, obviously, we're all big fans of technology, and we see it on the commercial stuff and larger projects that we're on now. But as far as going forward, I think even on the smaller projects, there is value to it, and that's what I'm kind of hearing you say is that hey, like, it is value because we're still retaining that guy that we have on on site he's able to free up and do something else. So we're actually able to turn more revenue over because we're not all just on one job site. Well, hundred percent. I get a phone call from somebody saying that they have an issue with their septic system and I can't get to it. Well, maybe that turns into an install, but I'm never going to find out because I can't get my guy out there to go look at it. So, you know, it's one of those things where being able to have more flexibility, especially for the size of business that we are, we're not, we're not huge. It's just the three of us um, running around and uh, yeah, the, the flexibility is huge. Okay, so you just mentioned there's only three of you. So I want to know your, your dynamic of business. So there's three of you guys. What's each of your role? Like, like there's three of you. What do each of you do? And then you mentioned your brother-in-law too. And where does he kind of come into play in all this? Yeah, so when, when I started the business or bought the business, it, ended up, it was just me at the start. So wearing all, all the hats. So it was just you. Yeah, and we actually didn't have equipment of our own until about a year a little over a year ago we were subbing out all the earthworks so you were renting no we were we'd, we'd sub out to other contractors and you would install correct smart 
Yeah. And so we didn't have the big machine payments to worry about during the winter. We would just sub it out. You're getting a machine and you're getting an, an employee essentially when you do that. So we did that for years until recently when we're like, okay, we're finally at that point. And that's when we took on our, uh, our third employee. So uh, to answer your question, I mean, Arian's my brother-in-law. He's been working for me for over six years now. Uh, he came on right around the one year mark and he can do everything. He'll go out there. He'll dig test pits. He does the installs. He can do the repairs. He's, he's probably at this point more knowledgeable when it comes to like the hands-on stuff uh, than I am, but he's, he's awesome. And Tom, uh, we took him on just a little over a year ago after we bought the equipment because we knew that essentially when I'm hiring out contractors all the time, I have an extra employee. So one of my, my personal challenges that I, I need to get over is whenever I hire someone, like I'm, I'm committing to that person. I want them to stay on. I want to keep them busy. And I have a hard time, you know, taking someone on and then saying, Hey, I'm going to have to lay off for three, four months. Uh, if, if, you know, if it was, um, you know, the winter's out in, in your neck of the woods where it's like fairly predictable. This is when it's going to be. This is when we stop. This is when we stop. It's a little bit easier to predict, but the way we do our business, we're not always doing one install to the next to the next to the next because we'll have some flexibility to go do some other things in between as well. So that's one thing I think in, in I've got to get over in my head is just, you know, sometimes I'm going to have to try and find somebody that maybe they're going to get laid off for a little bit or Maybe I just got to limp this along until my kids are old enough that they actually want to get into it. I mean, they already want to, but they're too young for that. So yeah, it's, it's one of the challenges that we deal with over here. Yeah. I like that. You just said like maybe your kids, you know, like maybe they would want to get into it someday. Uh, I want to go back and, and talk about, I, I really found the, the subbing out and installing interesting, but you just kind of talked about, you know, your family and I'm interested in that too, because I'm in a family business, third generation. What are your hopes for the business going further? Like, do you hope that it carries down to another generation? Because you have two kids. I got four. Four kids. Four daughters. Uh, no, goodness, no. One is enough. Um, no, I've got <laughs> uh, I've got one girl that uh, gives me all the grief in the world. She's my oldest, and uh, I've got three younger boys. So we've got a so three boys, one girl. Sixteen, fourteen, twelve, and eight. Wow, 16, 14, 12, and 8. Yep. Holy jumpings, man. Good for you, though. So that's huge. I mean, listen, I got I have a I have a two and a half year old and a seven week old. And I find it hard now balancing, you know, trying to maintain family, but also trying to run a business and and not only trying to run a business, but wanting to be here as well, too, but wanting to be at home and present as well, too. How do you manage kind of that balance between like the family dynamic and your professional relationship within the company? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say I probably don't do the best job of it all the time, but I think most business owners are going to say that, you know, I think you're in a little bit of a different position than I was because when, when I bought the business, my youngest had just turned one or, or somewhere around there. So I already had uh, a five-year-old and, and up. And so we had spent some time back then, but you know, it's one of those things when dad's got to work or I'll be in the office late at night. I mean, we've uh, recently moved uh, the office into the basement here, so I'm, I'm around. But uh, I mean, it's it's hard if you don't have the support system behind you. And, and you know, I'll tell you right now, like I, if I didn't have my wife, there's no way like, it would be next to impossible to do it. She she does everything for the kids and I'm 
fun dad at times. I get to go take them to all their sporting events. I get to go be coach. They're like, hey, dad, you want to coach? You want me to yell at you? Because I can do that. It's, it's, it's not frowned upon nearly as much when I'm on the bench versus the other side of the field with all the other parents. So sure, yeah, I'll, I'll come coach. Sure. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, just trying to carve out some time. It may not be as much, but it's it's what I sort of learned growing up as well from from my dad. He was uh, a white collar guy, too. But, you know, he was working on a business, working on growing it. And he was uh, he wasn't always home early or on time for dinner and or he would just go back to work afterwards. It's you know, it's we, we do what we know, I guess. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I like staying on the family thing, but I, I quickly want to talk about you. You mentioned the subbing and install. Okay. So let's say, and I know there is people listening to this right now saying, Hey, I want to get into doing septics. I want to get into doing, you know, even just, you know, construction work in general. Well, I guess it would be more niche to septic because you're, you were installing, but explain that. Like when you got started and you were kind of like, you were subbing out the earthwork. So you were subbing out the trucking, the, the trenching, all that stuff. And all you were doing was laying pipe, right? Yeah, essentially. Yep doing the assembly so there was some there was some design L- lining up the job and everything else yeah 100 yes. so no no there's more to it yeah this, there, there is but you're you're not wrong and i mean we still sub out all our trucking we don't have trucks that we got to worry about so um yeah I'm, I'm doing the customer facing getting the getting the jobs lined up getting them sold doing some work with the design consulting with the engineers when we're not the ones doing the design but yeah now we've got our own machines and there's my one word of caution is if you're going to try something like this, you got to make sure you're in the right market for it. Cause not every market's going to be able to bear, you know, me or, or you uh, going out there and, and tacking on extra on whatever the cost of the excavator is to do it. Um, we're in a bit of a unique situation. Well, it's not that unique, but we have some certifications that you're supposed to get for, for septic or you can get it. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't do an install if you don't have them, but it, it certainly helps. And so there's a bit of a barrier uh, of entry into the uh, market when it comes to septic. So um, that that helps us keep our prices high so that we're not doing that big old race to zero like we were talking about earlier, because, you know, we're not looking to, to gouge anyone, but we want to make a fair uh, price so that I can make sure that my employees have, you know, health benefits, that they've got a good working wage, that they can, you know, afford to take their family out on vacation or do whatever it is they want to do. But, you know, that that costs some money. I'm not going to be the guy running around with a clapped out pickup truck doing 160 kilometers an hour down the highway to get to the next job. (laughs) Because if I don't get there and get that one done in time, someone's not eating. So (laughs) yeah, hundred percent. Right. We all see those guys. So yeah, it's, it was a good business model that worked for us. And I would say the one thing I do miss about it is that when you have your own equipment, you try to fit your equipment into a job where maybe a bigger machine will get a job done a little bit quicker or you're not as flexible as you used to be, which was, was great with it before we would just call our excavator contract and say, I need this size machine. And he'd show up. We did the work and off we went. Yeah. I'm that drive and that struggle. I mean, it's just pretty insane. Like, I mean, going from, you know, subbing out. So like buying your first piece of machinery, I mean, you run it's Kubota. Yeah. We've got a couple of Kubotas. We've got a, a 57.5 and we've got a 97.2 yeah that's awesome dude yeah they've they've worked well for us so no no complaints at all they've been they've been fantastic we don't put a ton of hours on them either so that's part of it as well because going back to what i had mentioned earlier we don't we're not turning equipment every day we're not doing installs every single day we'll 
mix it in with some other stuff. So, you know, I've had both these machines for uh, over a year now, and I just did my 500 hour service on the excavator. Well, that's septics, you know, too, though, like like the hours stay low on the machines during septics, um, because a lot of the time we're waiting on trucks and the machines are off or you're installing. So the machines aren't doing anything when you're installing and then you're backfilling and then you're out of there. But like your business model, your business plan, though. So like your brother-in-law's involved, you have four kids, like do the kids come into play as far as like, okay, I'm setting this business up that somewhere down the line, it's going to remain a family business. I want it to remain a family business. Are you setting anything up for a succession plan for the business? Do I want it to? I think it would be great. Have I done anything or built anything to that? No. The interesting thing about uh, the septic industry is there's so many different arms of the industry that you could turn into its own business or its own division. You know, if I want to have strictly installs, I could do that. If I want to do strictly design, say, hey, yeah, my my daughter wants to go to engineering school and become an engineer so she can do just strictly designs could do that pumping if i wanted to start a pumping division and and someone wanted to man that up could 100 percent do that and it's all uh, something that if they're if they're interested in it, I'm, I'm more than happy to help them out and same goes for arian's kids as well if they express some interest as they're getting older and they want to be a part of the business then absolutely let's figure a way out to make sure that everybody can uh, be involved and and make a good living doing it during the months of, you know, we just went through, I mean, I don't know if you saw it as well, too, but well, obviously, I, I believe you did, you know, in 2017, you started your business, you know, but then the last three, four years of construction has been insane, you know, okay, we need this work done, get it done. I mean, you're specifically just doing septics. But again, like, there's been so much work out there for us, at least in Ontario, you know, has it been the case out in BC as well with you guys? Has it been a struggle finding the work or have you been finding it kind of like okay it's obviously nothing's easy or everyone would do it but what have you what are you putting most of your efforts into to make your business succeed i think is a better way to question that we're we're trying to find more ways to streamline and and we're kind of at that point where we're we're so busy i really need to have somebody in the office uh, a little more uh in a full-time capacity my dad comes in and helps out with our books. He's uh, he's got an accounting background, so he helps out with a lot of that. But yeah, we're we're struggling to keep our head above water when it comes to staying on top of everything. Really, when it comes to like invoicing and and getting back to people on requests and stuff like that, which is not where I want to be. I want to be able to get back to people a little bit quicker with some answers, get some quotes out. So we're gonna probably have somebody coming out that can do a review on our. There's a there's a program in Canada here called the Digital Adoption Program where they'll give you 15 grand to have somebody come audit your business and see if there are some technologies essentially similar to what I was doing before but if there's some technologies that can help streamline some of it and run your business a little bit better so when it's all said and done you'll have a a bit of a roadmap to uh, to run your business a little bit more smoothly so streamlining stuff is it's kind of how you're you're trying to like really hone in on the business making it more efficient profitable yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And trying to figure out where the best place to invest those dollars is. Is it to have somebody come in, you know, three days a week? Can I find someone that's that's qualified and can do the things that I need them to do for three days a week? And it's one of those things that's up in the air and we're we're still working our way through it to try and figure out what the, the best next steps are for us. Yeah. So so you mentioned hopefully, you know, finding somebody to do that. Obviously, you know, labor shortage issues have been across the board even though that you kind of 
I know that you keep a bit of a smaller team. Has this kind of presented any issues because you're subbing out stuff sometimes, like the trucking or anything, at least here, like, like for instance, so an example, so tomorrow, you know, I need three trucks on rental and we just heard that two of those trucks, they're in for repairs. So now I'm struggling to find two more triaxles to come on rental because now one of my jobs is going to be shorthanded, you know, 40 ton every 45 minutes of material. And it's a huge struggle finding that. Do you come into that issue? You know, I've been very fortunate with the the folks that I work with. And I think it, it helps in part that we're we're fairly organized on our end to give lead time and everything else. But we've worked with uh, one trucking outfit for primarily since I started and uh, they've got a good book of guys to get you covered. If something needs happening, I can probably count on one hand how many times I've been let down and it's, it's just, it's equipment issues, right? I can't, can't do anything about that. Or maybe I left it a little too late. So we haven't had those types of struggles ourselves uh, at this point, but you know, could happen in the future. So the issues with, you know, finding people, and everything like that, like, like the team that you have, I know that your brother-in-law is involved in that. Like, do you guys run into trying to find people to do that work that you, you need to do? Yeah. So it took a while for us to get to Tom, to add him to the team. The year before that, we had somebody come in, in a uh, part-time full-time capacity. Like it was seasonal. We're like, okay, we, we can guarantee you that you'll have work until at least let's call it August or September. And then we'll see where we go from there. And so we had someone on on for a bit and, you know, for what we were willing to pay at the time, it was, wasn't where we wanted to go. We probably could have, you know, if, if we had seen a little bit more out of the guy, we probably could have kept him busy and, and done the role uh, that, that Tom's doing now. But yeah, I mean, uh, with wages being what they are and, and all the job opportunities that are out there, it's, it's, it's a tough one. And learning the septic industry, at least for us out here, we've got a lot of fairly complex systems. I was talking again with Arian the other day, you know, it took about three years. We both sort of agreed three years before you're comfortable walking onto a property without any background, feeling confident that, okay, I can figure out what's going on here. It doesn't, doesn't happen quickly. And that, and that's all we're doing is septic. You know, think about the guys that are doing two or three systems a year. They have, how are they going to figure it out? They're never going to figure it out. It's going to take a, a lot longer. It's true. So are you guys doing mainly replacements or new installs? I'd say it's probably a good mix. Uh, probably 70% new. 30% reduce. So what do you like better replacement or new? New. Yeah. <laughs> really? I, oh yeah. I, I'd prefer new because I, I don't get as much, uh, I don't have to worry as much about what the, the finished product looks like. Cause there's usually a landscaper coming in behind me. I actually put right in all of my quotes. We're not landscapers. So if you're looking for like a, a golf green at the end of the day, it ain't going to be me. So dude, the amount of emails we get back, like you guys, because in order to get final inspection here in Ontario, you need to topsoil it. And if there's no topsoil, you don't get final inspection. Is that the same out in BC? We are a little bit different in the sense that we don't have uh, inspections. It's a, it's a self-regulated industry. No way. So if it's done by an engineer, the engineer is the one doing the inspection. So you can inspect your own system. If I've done the design, I can do the inspection. Correct. No way. Now, do you need any, what's, what, what, what courses or education do you need in order to be able to do that? Like just have a business? Well, no, no, it's not that simple. If it, if it were, we would be in a race to zero. Um, no, it's, it's a matter of going through some training and then uh, proving to the regulating body out here that you're competent and you know what you're doing. 
Uh, so for example, when I took the training, I went through a, a two week course and, you know, to think that somebody knows what the heck they're doing after two weeks is, is crazy, but that's sort of how it works out in, uh, in Alberta. And I actually had to go get my stamp initially through Alberta and then transfer it over to BC because unfortunately the, the way things are done out here, it's, it's, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of time. And uh, it can be it can be a bit of a, a bear to get through. So out here, it's uh, you know the, the the septic business. We we have three inspectors. So we have a sub base for your septic field, and then we have one after everything's installed and all the pipes are exposed, and then we have a final. And to be honest with you, I like that because it keeps it keeps contractors honest because it it it, it makes it so that the contractors are like, well, I'm gonna cheat a little bit on this sand and go a little bit lighter because I priced it lighter in order to get the job. It keeps people honest. And that's what I like about the inspections. Do you run into that in BC or the way that you guys are governing it? It works as well, too, because there's there's always multiple right ways to go about it. But when I hear that, I'm thinking, OK, there, there could be some guy that's just getting his license and then just going to be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of having inspections done on our systems. Just from the standpoint, it keeps everybody honest. I mean, I've got a system that we just did a restoration on where the, the valve boxes that were over top of uh, the cleanouts and, and the valves themselves, they're eight inches tall and a bunch of them were just sitting on top of the ground. So we had to bring out six inches worth of sand just to bring it up and then another four inches of turf mix because that's always going to compress down and uh, get that thing all done. But, you know, if I look at what the costs on the, the aggregates or the materials were on that job. I mean, it was probably another six to seven, eight grand. It was a bigger project, but that was the cost. And whoever bid it before, I don't know if they were competing. We weren't competing on that one at the time, but if they were competing, I mean, that's a big dollar value to uh, to try and cheap out on. So it would be nice from the standpoint of keeping everybody honest, especially because we're one of the guys that are, are more expensive and, and we make sure that we have everything that we need because we offer a warranty to all of our customers and say, hey, if something fails because of the way we installed it, we're going to come and fix it. We're not going to charge you for it. So I'm not going to cut corners because I don't want to be back here. Not unless I'm doing a regular service. It costs money. Exactly. So your business, do you want to continue to grow it then? And do you see yourself ever with, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 employees branching out into digging basements? I know you like, listen, you've been, you know, established 2016 behind you on the sign. You're 2017. You started your business. You're perfecting your craft at Septics. At what point are you like, okay, like, so for us recently, we ventured out in a commercial project, right? We're like, okay, we've mastered residential. We've been doing it for 55 years. Let's try to make some good connections, get some bigger iron and expand out into the commercial. Do you see yourself being, okay, we want to be the full complete package residential. We want to dig your basement, backfill it, put your septic in, do your laneway, your culvert, and then come back and final grade it. It's funny. I was actually having that conversation after uh, dinner last night with Arian about that. Like, how do we, how do we get to the next step? And that's one of those things like, well, a bigger machine would be nice because jobs get done faster. I said, yeah, but if you do the bigger, if you get the bigger machine, now you're going to be getting asked about the excavations. Now you're going to get uh, asked about all that other stuff that comes along with it, which a lot of guys do. And I don't necessarily have a, a, an issue with it's but we got to figure out if that makes sense for us, because once once I start doing that, if I'm already busy doing my septic at a at a higher markup or a higher rate than what a typical excavator operator is is working at, 
well, now I'm losing some of that time that I could be doing more septic installs, doing some, I'm not going to call it menial. It's not menial, but it's, there's no specialization necessarily required to do those jobs. So it's a matter of keeping our guys busy doing things that make the most amount of money. So yeah, it's, it's been rolling around. We've been talking about it back and forth, trying to figure out what the next step is. And I, I can't tell you what it is at this point. I know everybody likes to have a five-year plan. I'm, I'm five-day plan. Where, what are we going to be doing in five days? Where are we going to be in, in five weeks? But five years, that's, that's a long time into the future, having only been at this for seven. I like that. The only thing that I would have to say to that is I feel like there's a lot of projects that we get on the residential side that the customers are like, okay, I want to deal with one person on the outside and then the inside trades, the inside trades, but I don't want to deal. Do you ever find that you're going to like, you would lose a septic because they're like, ah, we would really, we were really hoping that you were somebody who could dig the basement backfill grade and do the septic for us. We don't want to necessarily get someone else in to do the septic as well too. We run into that here. I, I, I think only one time I really had somebody say that to me. And I would say, honestly, we, uh, we're dealing mostly with homeowners directly. We're not so much dealing with builders. We've only got two or three builders or higher end guys that, that like using us because we can talk to their customers and, and yeah, make them feel comfortable about what's going on. Whereas, um, usually I'm one-to-one with the, the homeowners who are, are working on doing their own build and just trying to find somebody that they can trust to do the work that needs to get done. Yeah, no, I would totally agree. It sounds like then that is not an issue with you. (laughs) Not not, not yet. What challenges do you think arise in your business that you're in right now? What would you say are the biggest thing in the septic industry that are stopping you guys from going to that next step or you think could be really perfected and fixed in order to go to the next step? I think one of the biggest challenges that we have, yeah, from a business side, but also from like an industry side out in in British Columbia is that we we are still allowing folks who don't have any kind of certification to do installs. And we've got uh, Washington State was just down the highway from us here. I'm going down this weekend with my youngest boy to a football game. But you have to be certified to do an install. And we've got, you know, engineers that are doing designs and we've got some good ones and we've got some bad ones and we've got some good ropes or registered on-site wastewater practitioners and we have some bad ones but when you've got some guys that have zero training or or have no reason to know better we come across some pretty nasty situations you know a home that's two years old that whoever designed it said well these people are only going to take showers 50 percent of the day so this is how much water and and so we run into that all the time and so we're we're trying to work together as part of my role with the association is, is to communicate some of this stuff with the province and the governing bodies just to say, like, here's here's some of our biggest challenges right now. And here's what we'd like to see to try and address that so that, you know, I'm not competing against some guy who just got his excavator last week and doesn't really know. And I talked to a builder yesterday where he said, yeah, I know you didn't get that job, but at the end of the day, the customer wanted to go with the other guy. But he says, just so you know, when all was said and done, it was about the same price as yours. Like, well, I know because I know what needs to go into a project. And I'm not going to come back and ask you for more afterwards. You know, that's actually funny you say that. I have the exact same issue. So we price a lot. Like, we, I mean, I have a full-time estimator that just prices work. And it's, it's wild the, the, the relation that I have to what you just said. Because 
we price projects and on a commercial is different on residential to business to homeowner, business to consumer. I would say in the past 10 years, we have had two times where we have ever, ever charged an extra to a residential client. Because when we price a job, we price it so that, hey, at the end of the project, your invoice is exactly what we quoted you because we allow for it. And we run into the same thing that you're saying of Joe Blow with his, his backhoe, who's going to go there and do it. And he was 10 grand less. But at the end of it, your bill is the exact same as each other's because he just charged you more in extras or unforeseen costs. I can't tell you how many contractors I've talked to who go into a job to win the job and the profit is going to be the, the extras at the end of the day. And it's just such a backwards way of thinking. And, and I, I hope that someday the industry as a whole changes so that that's not what it is. But too often there's, there's guys that are just, that's how they run their business. And if they don't get the extras, well, what are you going to do? You know, what's really nice and what really stops that though is, and, and I love this topic because we run into that all the time too. Same issue, same problem. And, and that's more for the, okay, someone's installing a conventional bed system or something like that, or someone could go get Elgin certified. But it's like the, the, the more higher end systems that do stuff like such as a, a Waterloo or an EcoFlow, where they, you have to have an accreditation within Waterloo or EcoFlow. I'm not sure about EcoFlow, but I know about Waterflow and Waterloo. And you have to have that accreditation with them in order for an engineering firm that designed the system to be like, okay, choose amongst these people. And you know what? At, at the, and, and you know that at least amongst those people, they're high quality, going to be good people. You're not fighting the cheapest guy ever. So maybe it's a balance of finding something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, the, the, my, my solution to out here is just to say it's only septic professionals that can do installs. And a number of engineers I've talked to have said, hey, we'd, we'd love to do that. I, I don't want to be the one that's telling the homeowner, no, they can't use so-and-so. But if the province tells me that only certified guys could do it, well, now I can say, no, he can't do it. You need somebody who's certified. Go get him to do it. Yeah, 100%. And competition keeps it healthy. I really strongly believe in that. But I feel like you're right. There is a way that we could govern it to, to make it. And that's interesting that you're on the board as well, too. But I think that there's a way that we can do it so that everybody kind of makes it so that it's more fair for everybody and more fair for the consumer at the end of the day. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to keep people out. I just want everybody to be playing on the same field because, you know, I'm spending probably upwards of eight to 10 grand per year just to keep my certification. I need to do continuing education points and I have to, yeah, pay for AutoCAD, all these other things, all these expenses that I have to have because I'm certified. But no wonder I'm more expensive than the guy down the street because he doesn't have insurance for design. He doesn't have insurance for whatever. He doesn't have his annual fees that he has to pay to the governing body and everything else. So yeah, of course he's cheaper. Exactly. I want to hear one last thing about something that your business is proud of. I want to hear about something that, that what makes Canadian septic stand out or something that you could look back on and go, we're damn proud of this and what we did. And I want to say that the one thing is the, the when you use that that slinger you use the stacker to bring the material <laughs> to the top of the mountain that's just mine on your part and everybody can go and see him on canadian septic on instagram what i'm talking about because that project was super super cool but what's one thing that you can look back on with your business and go you know that's canadian septic that's what i'm proud of yes 
Yeah, I mean, you're probably pointing at the project right there. I mean, it's the <laughs> one where it's like, I got to get what up where and how am I going to do this? And Dude, you know, that was wild. It was quite the trip, man. I mean, trying to get all those aggregates like 80 feet in the air just to get it and then put a bunch of a couple hose up top just to move it around up there, drop a bunch of trees. Like that was that was the biggest project for us to date. You know, hopefully we've got a bunch more uh, coming down the line here. But um, that's that's probably at this point our, our Hallmark uh, system install so far. We've We've done a different one for a, a 50,000 square foot house out on the river out here. And uh, we like the challenging ones. We've we've done a lot of tight ones right along the, the water in between Whistler and Vancouver out in Lions Bay. Some beautiful, beautiful spots. Done some work with the provincial parks. Um, we went out to Mount Robson to do a bunch of inspection stuff. But honestly, just at the end of the day, being able to stand there and stand behind our work and it sucks when you do something wrong and you've got to go fix it but we do it we we had a system we didn't put in quite deep enough and it's my fault i i'm responsible for it and we went back out and this is when we didn't even have our own equipment so it hurt even more because i'm paying the contractor to come dig out another septic field like everything right but it's my responsibility i told you that i'd do it so i'm gonna do it so that's probably the most proud i am of of one was when things got hard we stood up and we took care of it yeah i totally would agree i totally from the vibe of your instagram and just you as a person i think that you guys definitely found your niche within this is a complicated project complicated install complicated system and canadian septic is here to you know hammer it out yeah no i appreciate it man that's uh that's what we're trying to convey to people uh, out there let them know who we are what we're about and it's uh, it's pretty amazing what we're able to uh, accomplish through there whether it's uh, someone calling me out of the blue that I've never met that says they they, they talk to me like they know me so a lot of a lot of cold calls turn into warm calls just when you're when you show up so pretty cool well listen dude I obviously want to thank you for coming on the podcast today it was long overdue having a conversation with you I know that we've talked for a while uh, on Instagram as well, too, which, by the way, if anybody wants to go and find you, can you quickly remind them, like, where at all can they find you guys online, website, Instagram, wherever? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the main handle on Instagram is where I post most of our stuff is uh, Canadian Septic, and we've our website, canadianseptic.com. Shouldn't be too hard to find us. You put punches into the Google machine, you'll uh, you'll find us. Okay, James, thank you for being on today. Awesome conversation, and uh, I can't wait to see what uh, crazy project you get on the next. Thanks, Taylor.